Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, you got some fancy new equipment there, the, it's better lighting, you look more handsome than ever. Yeah, got to get in the gym. Uh, but yeah, this, the lighting can only do so much. The lighting right? can't help. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> ask some people, it's better to not have lighting on you. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm happy. We uh, The podcasts, we're going to the moon with this podcast feed, and we're happy that everybody's here listening to it. The question is, should the show be called Do Stars Matter this week? Well, that's what I was going to say. On the heels of Sunbelt Saturday, we're going to address that all-important question of stars mattering with uh, Chris Vanini. We're going to bring on Chris, our uh, Group of Five expert. Our national does a great job covering the entire landscape, but really does a great job with the, uh, the Group of Five. Knows a lot of the coaches there. Uh, a lot of deep dives with those programs. Um, we're going to talk about some prospects that Ari's been talking to on the phone and going to be writing about. Some good stuff there. We're going to review the notable commitments of the week. We're going to hit the mailbag and have some trivia. I want to start with some news that happened yesterday. We, you know, we saw that Ruben Owens, the number one running back in the country, a Louisville commitment since June, top 25 player. Someone tweeted out that he's going to visit Texas A&M, and we all kind of laughed. We were on a Slack channel, uh, me, you, Max Olson, and, and um, Sam Khan, because after that surprise commitment, he tweeted out something like, 110% committed, not going on visits, and everyone's thinking, okay, this kid's from Texas, he's going to flip, he's going to end up somewhere else. So then... Ends up, he changes his mind because he doesn't like the publicity. He basically wanted to fly under the radar of going to Texas A&M. He just wanted to go watch some football. So you got in touch with him last night, turned around a story. Really interesting stuff. I have more respect for the kid. I thought it was a great interview. Kind of take us through, you know, your day yesterday with Ruben Owens. Yeah. um, You know, it's really hard sometimes to get five-star prospects on the phone when they've got all this stuff going on. Because when their name's all over Twitter, they they don't want to talk to the media because they don't want to make it worse. But, you know, I think that certain kids that are savvy enough know that, hey, if there's a certain narrative about me or they're saying things about me or my visit or, or speculating that if I talk to somebody and they give me the floor to explain what happened, then oftentimes they can be uh, understood better. And I and I appreciate Ruben Owens for giving me that opportunity um, because it, it helps him, sure, but it also is very informative to the people who are are very into what's going on there. So right. let me, sorry, for yeah. a quick interruption. So if Ruben Owens doesn't talk to you yesterday, we're probably on this recruiting podcast saying, watch out Louisville. This kid's flirting. Yeah. He, he wants to go when in reality. And I believe him. And that seems the case. He really just wanted to go to a game. Yeah. And, and I still think that it. I'm probably still in that camp of watch out Louisville because we're at September yeah. 14th and we're recording this. Yeah. And if he does have a, a desire to see other places or stay home, I mean, you know how quickly things change. And sure. I think that it, it, no matter what, he could have shut his recruitment down, deleted his Twitter. I would still say watch out Louisville because yeah. <laughs> like, that's a really, really, really hard thing to, to not only get a commitment, but to, to maintain that recruitment. It's, it's hard. Um, that said, I think we have a better understanding of the situation that he's in. And when he committed to, to Louisville in June out of nowhere, everybody was like, oh, my God. Remember our reaction? Like yeah, we were texting yes. each other like, what the hell is going on here? And he knew that that's the reaction that people were going to have to that. Now, the one mistake that I do think that he made, and I wrote this in the story, if you haven't read it on The Athletic, is don't say you're not visiting. Like, what's the point of that? 
you know, or at least don't tweet it because then that becomes the expectation. And then people are programmed to say, well, if you start visiting other places, then he's definitely waffling because he told us he didn't want to visit. So if he's visiting, he, he, he's not keeping true to his word. There's no reason to do that because if I were a 17 year old five-star running back with a highlight tape that makes me look like uh, Walter Payton in his prime, like I would want to go to every campus I could. I don't want to go see games. I don't want to go to Texas A&M and see my friends compete. I don't want to go to a major programs, big game of the week for free. I mean, so it's going to be a, a long road ahead for him, and it's not like he's unique. Every five-star prospect that commits somewhere and goes somewhere else is a major story. I mean, when Malachi Nelson visited Texas A&M out of the blue a few months ago, everyone was like, oh, my God. And then that's kind of died down a little bit. But, you know, it is an interesting thing because he was once committed to Texas. He's in Texas. A&M recruited their asses off last year. You know, he's got every single offer from a Power 5 juggernaut on his list, and it's like he's going to Louisville. And everybody is, you know, hey, this guy's just going for the bag or going for the biggest NIL deal. And it's like, you know what? Who cares? I hope he is. I hope I hope that the reason why he's going to Louisville is because they paid him the most. I don't know that that's to be true. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But if there's something going on behind the scenes, then that's college football in 2022, and I'm fine with it. So, you know, very interesting recruitment, and I'm very excited to see how it pans out. Yeah, so the bottom line, he's not going, or he claims he's not going because he didn't. Yeah, and this is running on Thursday. He didn't want to be the story. Um, This is running on Thursday, and he could end up going anyway. Like, who knows? You could talk to uh, a 17-year-old kid on Wednesday evening at 9 o'clock, and he thinks one thing, and then he changes his mind on Thursday morning. Like, that stuff happens all the time. But as we are recording this, he's still not going. Yeah. Yeah. Another recruit you talked to, another story you did on Monday, I believe, uh, Brandon Baker, class of 2024 offensive lineman from Southern California. I believe he's top 50, maybe top 60, not a five-star. I think he's but, 64. Okay, so yeah, you put, you put your position on this was, and I, I agreed. He's like, I, I don't care what other positions or what other five-stars are out there. He might be the most important recruit for Lincoln Riley in USC in the class of 2024 because he's an offensive lineman in the state of California. Yeah, and Antonio Morales and Bruce Feldman did an incredible job uh, writing a story about uh, the drought of offensive linemen in the state of California. It's insane, but I took it a step further because I wrote specifically about USC, and um, the state of California hasn't produced a five-star offensive lineman since 2017. And during that same span, that only had two top 100 players at that position. And one went to Oregon and one went to US, uh, UCLA. And USC has not signed a top 100 offensive lineman out of California since 2014. Like, Unbelievable. If you think about that stat, like we're coming on, and this is a 2024 prospect, a decade? Like, yeah, I mean, you could even make that stat up. So, did, did you make it up? I mean, I, I triple checked no, I, 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 I Believe me, I've worked already long enough. I know to fact check all of his stats. And it was all perfect, right? Clean story. Facts uh, were yeah, for correct. Yeah. 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 Didn't you thank yeah. me for it being clean? Yeah, but it, that's the problem. I shouldn't have to thank you yes. for the story being clean. I'm working on it. Yeah, it's not, not um, the exception. But, like, you know, Lincoln Riley's going to get his when it comes to, like, the skill position players and the way that he's recruited the quarterback position. You know, if he can hold on to Malachi Nelson, you know, like those are the types of wins that we anticipated that USC were to get, right? But unless they get these type, and, and like they, they've gotten five-star offensive linemen out of Arizona in the last few years and put them in the NFL. So it's not like USC has no hope of getting a good offensive line unless it's in California. But like we always say in recruiting, 
if you're in a position where something is scarce or it doesn't happen very often, and then that opportunity presents itself, then in those rare opportunities where it does present itself, you have to capitalize on it. And like Brendan Baker, Brandon Baker is who I wrote about, but he has a teammate who's also in the top 100 who he's been playing offensive line with his entire life. Um, and his name's DeAndre Carter. So like there's two of them on the same team. If they can get both of those guys, I think that would be way more influential than some random four-star receiver that they're going to end up getting anyway in every other class. So, you know, what's the number one thing right now when you watch USC, not just this year, but the previous years, is that their skill position players typically can go up against anybody. But when they start playing the Utahs of the world or physical teams that Oregon's had in the past that have, you know, been very good at running the football, they kind of falter. So unless they batten down the hatches, you know, to use a sailing term, is that a sailing term? I think so. I'm not much of a sailor. Yeah, yeah. We don't sail that much. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a tough road ahead when they finally play those teams. And it's not just to make the playoff. Right. You know, it's to win or be competitive in a playoff game. I don't know if I would want to watch a game with USC right now. The, the USC that's scoring 60 points every Georgia. week. Yeah. He'll play Georgia tomorrow. That would be a blood, I think it would be a bloodbath. Yeah. It's sort of like when we talk about Ohio State, like asking an Ohio State fan who falls recruiting – how much more valuable a five-star left tackle would be to that yeah. program than, a, than another five-star wide receiver. Yeah, they've got like 10 top 100 receivers, and like it's been great watching it, but I bet you Ohio State would have loved to have Jordan Davis last year. Right, or that's why le- I think you should be able to trade. Trade yeah, two, yeah. two five-stars for That a, should be the next thing. If you're, if you're, yeah. if we ever the get transfer to transfer portal, let's, let's trade these guys. What if we get to a point in college football where these players are employees, right, and they're making money from the university? Or taking pieces of the of the television revenue, which I think is going to happen eventually. Once they start becoming employees and unionizing, then we can trade them. Yeah, you're not going to trade kids. From I, know, school, I know. I know. Can you imagine um, if Gabe got traded to Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> He's got no trade clause. He's such a big recruit. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame. We made a lot of their. Obviously, we've made a ton about their of the recruiting, right? Yeah. So. We didn't think that much of it when Dante Moore went to to Oregon because mm-hmm. hey, they got CJ Carr, they got their twenty twenty four guy, they got Buckner as a fr- redshirt freshman. They're in great shape. How much more important is it now for them to revisit the twenty twenty three quarterback group based on what we've seen of their offense? And I know there's been talk about CJ Carr possibly reclassifying to twenty twenty three, but whether it's through the portal, you ready to give going, him on Buckner already? I'm just. They need a quarterback in this class. They can't not. They cannot either by portal. They cannot bring a new. They can't not bring a new quarterback in. Yeah, I mean, I, to, it to seems compete. to me that you know, in mid September, that they might be too late. You know, unless they try they to tried flip to get somebody. on uh, Novasad this summer, didn't work. Yeah, yeah, but you're not going to unless you're going to go flip somebody. And you know what? Maybe they will. You know, Notre Dame's been been very good, but like if you go look at the quarterbacks right now, and I can add it up. I know that the top. 16 quarterbacks in the country are already committed. Yeah, Raheem, what's his, Raheem Jeter from South Carolina is the top uncommitted quarterback, and he is a former West Virginia commit. Well, what is his uh, ranking? He's in the 500s or 600s, I think. Yeah, let's go see the top. It's not the top 16. It's more than that. No, no I know, like no, no, I know. I don't even have an open it's 48. I know it. The top yeah. 48 quarterbacks in the country are committed already. Yeah, they'd have to flip someone or hope for a... And the person that is the highest rated because Raheem uh, Jeter's... It's funny, and we should write a story about this because... And I reached out and they didn't respond. I'm going to try again. But Darius Cowens 
is 48 and Raheem G- Jeter is 48. They're both 48. Yeah. They're tied. They've got the same the exact, exact same pl- yeah, the exact same player, player rating. So I don't know if that's like a glitch. They could yeah. just pick one or the other, but the, they're both 48. They're both uncommitted, and they're both, um, you know, kind of in the same exact position. So I, I'd be very curious to get them on the phone and, and discuss this. It's like Notre Dame is going to either have to hit the portal and get somebody to come in next year if they need that depth because I still think that they believe Buckner is their guy until Carr takes over, right? Um, and it's just not a very attractive – I mean, they got two things working against them, right? I mean, one, they're late. And they'd have to flip yeah. somebody, which is a difficult thing to do. But then also, too, you, you got Carr coming in behind you. So who's going to be like, yeah, let me hurry up and flip into your class so I can get beat out next year? Like, that's not right. The way. And it, if the offense continues to struggle, it's not. I know it's Notre Dame. I know they yeah. have players, but it's not. And that's where I thought sell. you were going. I thought that's yeah. where you were going with that. Like, oh, they lost. Are they going to, is their class going to fall apart? No, it's like, no, no, no. You know, but it's, it's a shame because two and a half weeks ago, like, I was buying stock in Notre Dame. Like, yeah, stock, stock. And it's just like, I still am buying stock because I think that Marcus Freeman has done a tremendous job as a recruiter. But that was a really, really rough start to their season. Yeah, not ideal. And um, a nice little a nice little reminder of what needs to happen in order to compete at the highest level, too. You know, because it's like, you know, their skill position Well, there's competing just, at the highest no, level and there's losing to Marshall at home. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's both. And, and they actually yeah. played Ohio State pretty tough. So, right. It's like, I don't know how Notre Dame fields a football team where their number one receiving threat is a tight end. Yeah. And they don't have anybody else in the skill position players to get it done or a breakaway speed at running back. Like, they've got some guys, but... And they lost C.J. Williams last to, to, yeah. to who's committed to them for a long time to, to USC, who's a freshman who's played some. Um, I don't really know how to phrase this question. Nebraska. To me, this is a program... That's recruited well. I mean, I think it's – they've got – I know they, Max Olson wrote about it today. They've had a ton of attrition. So they, they're not keeping their players. But they've got – before this past year, they had three or four straight top 25 classes. If you're Nebraska's AD, do you go the Joey McGuire, the Texas Tech route, just bring a guy and get talent? To me, this seems like a culture hire. A Lance Leopold, a, yeah. a Chris – you know, it's just – what? so, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? So what would how would you categorize the Scott Frost hiring like the Harbaugh of the Nebraska? Well, yeah, it was just yeah, that's a that's a hire you make a hundred times out of a hundred. So there, there yeah. was really, there was nothing to analyze there. Yes, yes, but like now that they have to actually like Andy and I uh, did a reaction video on YouTube earlier in the week or Sunday when the news came out, and it's just like who's the the Nebraska um, list right? And it's like there's like thirty people that you could make the case for would be good there. Now of those thirty people, I don't know how many of them would want to go. Like, so like I if you're the Mark Stoops if, yesterday, yeah, I'm yeah. sure you guys talked about. It. I don't think Mark Stoops leaves. Why that. would Mark Stoops do that? Yeah, it's like Mark Stoops is going to leave Kentucky to go to Nebraska in order to build Nebraska into Kentucky. Like it makes no sense. So, do you go for a guy that you think ha- is more like, um, you know, Campbell at Iowa State? who can build a culture, recruits the same area, and like has shown that he can have a competent football program? Or do you try to make the sexiest slam dunk hire you possibly can and try to swing for the fences again the way you did with Scott Frost? That wasn't even swinging for the fences, though. That was such a perfect No, I know. It's like a layup. I'm not saying yeah. that it was, but also the it was such a big hire and such an easy decision that there was a thought process from Nebraska fans that they were going to get right. back to the I don't, ultimate I don't level. know who the home run hire... So like, like if you hire a... 
Who would um, be the shock the world hire that you like? There's no way that guy would leave for Nebraska. And well, goes. I mean, the shock the world hire I think would be Urban Meyer. Like if Urban Meyer took that job, yeah, I because I happened. you know I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, but like to me, like that would be like the type of person that would go there and I think turn it around pretty quickly because I think that his his resume. Hey, you, 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 Mr. Urban Meyer, recruit. You know, he he basically shaped the way you think about recruiting. Now he can't be very picky, and this is all hypothetical, of course. But would Urban Meyer go to a school that has such recruiting disadvantages? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that Urban Meyer would probably think to himself that he's the only type of person that could reverse yeah. those. True, because it's like if you put Nick Saban there, then all of a sudden, like their recruiting advantages don't disadvantages don't matter anymore. Now the question I have with Urban Meyer, and I don't want to turn this. I've seen a lot of Urban Meyer stuff. Yeah, let's not spend it. That's yeah, not happening. Yeah, so yeah. Let's move on. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, the thing that I'll say is I don't know if he's employable at this point. Yeah, so, I, mean, I think that's what most most people. Yeah, um, but say. like so, like, but if you go and you get a Chris Kleiman type guy, right, or somebody in that second category, is that Nebraska throw like waving the white flag and saying we just hope to win nine games again one day? No, no. I think it's because Nebraska, hiring- I think, wants to win the Big Ten and make the playoff. Right, and there's no – I mean, I, we don't know if Big Ten divisions are going to end at some point, but there's yeah, no They better reason. hope not. It's, it's been well, – yeah, it's been well chronicled that, that, that there's just no reason that they haven't been more competitive or successful in the Big Ten West. Um, I think you you think you, you, you're you hiring a guy who's done really well at whatever school he's at right now, whether it's Kansas, Kansas State, But whatever. doing well at every school is different. Nick. I know, I know. But okay. th- so he's doing well at Kansas or Kansas State – but our program, you're Nebraska making higher, our ceiling is much higher, our tradition. So if he did that at that school, look what he can do here. Now, I think I think you you make the hire, Trev Albert's going to make the hire with with the full intent intention of winning Big 10 titles. Now we yeah. can sit here and say that's not realistic, but I think they think it is and why not why not go for it? I mean, you're not going to settle on anyone just because you don't hire a you don't make a Brian Kelly or a Lincoln Riley-esque hire doesn't mean you're settling. Yeah. No, and I'm not saying that everybody's a settler, but like you also have to take into account like how did those people build those programs? What type of athletes have they been recruiting to build those programs? And are those the type of athletes? Like, do you want to be a developmental program? Right. Like, or you could go hire a person like Lane Kiffin. What about Dave Clawson? Like, Leif, uh, did like, you guys he talk would Dave never. Clawson? Yeah, he would never leave. I don't think for yeah. that. But like Lane Kiffin's a, a good example of like a flashy hire, right? Because of who he is as a person. Yeah, um, it has connections from his family at Nebraska, and it's like that guy could maybe do pretty good there. Um, Isn't exactly killing it recruiting at Ole Miss. Though. I know, but he's made them a transfer destination. True, true. So I think that that would be a pretty good situation. And Nebraska's the exact type of place I would want to transfer to. If I went to Alabama or Florida yeah. or Georgia and it didn't work out, why not go to a place that has a crazy tradition with a passionate fan base and? plays in a big stadium, has a ton of money to, to pay you an NIL and can maybe put you in the NFL. Like, that would be an attractive place for me. So it's just a, the thing that I think is interesting more so than than who should they hire because you could make a case for 10 people is what should their plan be? Because, like, like, that to me is the biggest question that no one asks. Like, what what should they do from a, from a recruiting standpoint to put themselves in a position to compete? Because I guess they're, they're signing top 25 classes. But they're not retaining they're them. They're not, A, retaining they're them, not and B, they're not developing them, and they're not winning with them. So should Nebraska be – is, like, Brian Harson the type of coach that he should be getting? A guy who – It's a tough sell. <laughs> I know, I'm not saying that Brian Harson being hired after being fired by Auburn, which is certainly going to happen this year, 
um, is the exact move, but a Brian Harson type, a guy who comes from a place like Boise, who has shown that he can develop people and is recruiting at a lower level, but knows how to identify talent, which doesn't equate to beating Alabama, but it certainly could equate to success in the Big Ten West. I mean, that's what Northwestern's been doing for years, and they made it to the Big Ten Championship twice. Yep, yep. Um, so will be interesting, no doubt. It's it's still one of those programs that we just pay attention to. Because yes. It's Nebraska. I yeah, and we always will. So I'm, I'm very excited to see how they do this, because I don't know what direction I would head in. If I, I mean, it's a hard... Lance Leipold. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, he's two games in, right? So, well, second year, and he won at Texas. Two games into it, I mean, I meant to say two and zero. Oh. Yeah, and he's uh, his. I mean, totally different level. Huge his bet record. for me on on Kansas over two and a half wins this year. So it was big for the brand you got last it? week. Nice, I did not know that. It didn't hit yet. They got to win one more, but it's they're a good start. Win more. They they're are win go more. go look at Kansas's schedule and say they're definitely going to win that game. So they're two and zero. Oh? Yeah, they just have to win one more. Who else do they play non-conference? I mean, they're playing in the Big 12. I don't think they have another – they don't have a non-conference layup. Look it up. Okay. Um, how do they not have a non-conference layup? I looked at the schedule last week and I went, ah, this is not – no, they're playing Houston. Okay, who else? They're going to have one more. Houston and Duke. Ooh, Duke's 2-0. and That Duke game looked like a – okay. That's what you I said. Struggle. When I looked, I looked at the schedule and I'm like, I didn't uh, – yeah, your boy Mike Elko is—he uh, might screw you there. Yeah, you know I, I, I didn't look at—I didn't look at the schedule, thinking they definitely are going to win that game. I don't know if they're, they're going to be favored in any of the games that they're playing in for the rest of the year. They—they they look pretty good. Um, I watched a decent amount of that game. Um, all right, let's go over some notable commitments. Um, I found this amusing. Iowa got a 2024 kid committed, a quarterback, James Resar, R E S A R. Um, Number 395, I believe, nationally from Jacksonville, Florida. I just, you know, with all of the talk about how bad their offense has been, a kid's like, yep, I want to go play there. Yeah, so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to message him. Okay. I'm going to message Scott that I'm going to message him. That's a tremendous story. Okay. <laughs> like, Dad, I want to go play for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Well, but what's the um, thought process there, that you'll save it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, these kids all, they're confident, and Iowa's a great program. They've won a ton of games, so I don't mean to make fun of him. Or I'm not making fun of him. It's just like the timing of it. Yeah, that's what. I, that's the, why I, yeah, the timing of it is funny because everybody that has – did you see the cameos? Yes. Oh, I felt so bad for people. I just – What? You felt – I don't know. I just felt feel bad, bad for people. <laughs> you felt bad for people? <laughs> yeah, I just want everyone to get along, Ari. <laughs> I just felt bad for humanity. <laughs> yeah, that was the funniest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> That's the difference you, between us two. Yeah, you know, I feel I mean, bad for people, and you're like, I don't feel bad for Bob Stoops, and I don't feel bad for Fran McCaffrey. They're millionaires. Right. One selling tequila. Yeah, and I don't feel bad for the millionaires on the Iowa staff. Who who loses here? Nobody. Like Kirk Ferentz will be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. We can laugh right. at. Yeah, I mean, like he's the one that doesn't want to make the shift. So yeah, okay. Um, some some other commitments. BYU, Ciale uh, Acera, four star edge um, from Provo, number three fifty two overall, and Ethan Thompson, four, a three star offensive tackle from Fort Collins, Colorado. Missouri gets a four star offensive tackle from Kansas City, Logan Reichert, number three twenty nine overall, Texas A and M, four star interior offensive lineman from Austin Westlake, TJ Shanahan. So going into Austin to get a kid. And here's a big one, Ari, Auburn. Decommitment, I don't know if you saw this happen earlier today, Carmelo English, four-star wide receiver from Phoenix City, Alabama, which is right near Auburn. 
Um, I believe he was the top player in their class. Auburn's now down to seven commits. Oh boy, six of them are four stars. We talked about their blue chip ratio, which is which is great. But seven commits at this time of year is sort of indicative. He of was the, ranked the number one hundred and sixty-two overall player, and he was a top-rated player in their class. And there's only one other player out of the seven that are committed to Auburn at, in the 2023 class right now that are in the top 100. That's Jeremiah Cobb, who lives in Alabama and ranks 199. Brutal. Yep. Brutal stuff. Yeah. Overall Not, overall rank 69. Nice. But I'm looking forward to that game this week, though. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's no, I am, too. I am, too. I am, too. Uh, keep the, today, as we we should always plug stories on our network, but I don't know if you read this yet. A great story by Audrey Snyder, our Penn State writer, about the logistics of getting from State College to Auburn, two kind of remote outposts, and there's construction at the Montgomery Airport, Mon- yeah, Montgomery, yeah. Alabama Airport. So it was a fun story there. Well, Audrey um, Snyder is one of the best beat writers in America. I just want to point that she out. She should put that on her business card, like Ari Wasserman. No, she's great. She's really good yeah, at her job. She knows that team very well, and she's very creative. I, I, yeah. I, I love Audrey. All right, all right, now we're. Can going we get John to... on the on the horn here for an official prediction? Okay, John, are you paying attention? John, you paying Our attention? Producer? We'll give him three seconds, and if not, then I'm going to make the I'm going to make it for him. Okay, what's your? I, I'm never paying attention. I'm never paying attention to you guys. Are you kidding okay. me? Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. Here he is. Let's go. So we, we need an official, Penn State yeah, Auburn prediction. Penn State prediction from our producer, Penn State grad. I felt good about the game until <laughs> I saw I saw Penn State was favored by three on the road. And I know what it's like at Jordan-Hare Stadium. I've been to Jordan-Hare Stadium yes. the last three or four years. It's going to be absolutely electric. It's a tough place to play. And you got to love the home dog. I think Auburn gets it done. Okay. That is a uh, – I don't think it's underrated because it's a, it's noted to be a great place. Great little town. Great little no, college it's town. Under, great it's stadium. Under, it's underrated. It's underrated. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I, I, I think it's underrated because it's an easy target right now to look at the Auburn program and act like it's, it's struggling because of what happened with Brian Harson. But on Saturdays, you won't know it on Saturday. Game. Yeah, you won't know watching that game. It'll, you'll, exactly. you'll think, you'll Here's think my official prediction. Okay. Drew Aller's coming into the third quarter. He's going to make it rain out there. Penn State by 14. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. But if Drew Aller doesn't play, then I'm uh, then Penn State loses. Oh, is that what you tell your bookie? Well, yeah. he didn't play, so. So I don't know. have to pay you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. That's good exactly. luck. Good luck with yeah. that. I'm going down yes. there. I'm going yeah, down there. Oh, you there. are? Going to the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Went, went to the uh, My wife's an Auburn grad. I'm a Penn State grad. Okay. That's we, the we've connection. Been the last there. Couple of games. Yeah. Love that. Do you, uh, uh, hey, do you know Ken Bradley, our, uh, our uh, NFL editor, lives in Charlotte? John? Certainly do. Yes, yeah. I do. Good. I worked with Ken for a little while when I started the company. A huge Auburn guy, big Auburn guy. So uh, good people, as they like to say here in the South. So. It, it's the is it the I think it's the first time ever a Big Ten school is playing at Jordan Hare Stadium. I think that was in the in Andre's story. Yes, I believe so. That's where I saw it. Yep, that's great. So, all right, thanks for the uh, thanks for the uh, little little rundown there, John. So, uh, Ari, now we're going to talk to Chris Vanini, our uh, the Athletics Group of Five expert, national college football writer. Now we welcome in our guest, Chris Vanini, a national college football reporter with The Athletic who specializes in Group of Five coverage, if that's fair, Chris. First of all, welcome to the show. The important question, after what happened Saturday in college football, can you please answer the question if stars actually matter? I think it's pretty clear that they don't. And Ari, I know, admitted that in his mailbag earlier this week uh, as well. I think yeah. the whole thing's been blown up and uh, Appalachian State's on the road to a national championship and... Uh, Ari's going to have to find a new beat to cover. Yeah, every single year when the first upset of college football happens, 
I get this barrage of people tweeting at me and texting me and all this stuff. And on Saturday, there were three in one day. So it was like super, super, super intense uh, of people who are just like, you know what? The fun belt uh, <laughs> are making all your favorite teams look stupid. You're an idiot. It's about the size of the heart and the kid. Not, you can't measure that. <laughs> all, all the same crazy cliches that people say. And, you know, I don't know. If, if, you don't, if you don't get it by now, I think there's just probably no hope in trying to get you to get it. You know? I, I, I will say I, I, I am someone who covers a group of five, but. I also have been um, influenced or, or, or brainwashed or convinced by Ari about how much stars do matter. I have been Brain, I, brainwashed is the right word. I have word, by been the way. citing the twenty four seven sports team talent rankings in some recent stories just to make a point about talent levels at Oregon compared to Georgia and kind of the state Nebraska is in as they look for a new coach. So um, I mean, the man had to sit next to me for four quarters of uh, Cincinnati, Alabama last year. So if you can make it through that, you can make it through anything. Yes, that was a defining moment there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we, we're all on the same page here. We're just having fun with that, with the Stars Matter part. But it's obviously what makes college football great. But, and then there's case, you know, Marshall's a pretty talented team. I mean, they're top 50 in the talent composite. They got a running back who was a five-star recruit. Uh, they got a quarterback who's won a lot of games at Buffalo. And, when the planets align on a certain day, and Ari kind of mentioned this, it's like when the planets align and they're well coached, which these three teams are, and they're playing a power five team with issues, it's ripe for an upset. And we saw that. Yeah, I think all three were kind of different, all three different scenarios, but that's what makes a, a random Saturday so great. Chris, do you think that the, the way that things are headed right now, um, you know, with the transfer portal and all that stuff and, and NIL, that group of five teams are going to be more or less equipped to compete with the with the teams that we discuss most on this podcast it depends on the school we saw this at smu before the portal even existed as soon as sunny dykes got there he realized hey there's a lot of maybe four-star kids at other schools who grew up in dallas who aren't getting any playing time who want to come back home and play for their family and 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 that's what he did got a lot of transfers immediately turned that program around and then the portal, the one-time transfer rule, everything kind of goes forward, and now it's even easier to do it. You're seeing that everywhere. Marshall has 24 transfers on that team. A lot of those guys are former Power 5 guys. Laybourne, the running back, as Mitch mentioned, former five-star recruit at Florida State. And, and so there, it depends on where everybody is. Yeah, My, my now, thought process, uh, Mitch, not to cut you off, has always been that yeah. like for as much as the group of five is going to benefit from former f- Power 5, like the Sonny Dykes model, right? which is if they leave the state that we're in now and don't play or want to come home after a year, we're the perfect place for them to come back and get hometown flavor. But I wonder, too, like as much as that isn't going to be a benefit for the lower-tier teams that aren't in the recruiting rankings as highly up as some of the teams that we focus on, that any time they have anybody who outweighs their ranking or is really good or – Like what happened at Wyoming like, a lot. Like are players going to transfer up? That is – the concern. I mean, if you look at transfer numbers, Max Olson did a great look rundown of the entire numbers from this last portal. You do get those guys moving up. Pitt added a receiver from Akron. You, know, you, you see a lot of that stuff. But the majority of guys who transfer are either going equal level or they're going down. So there's a lot more. If you're a group of high school, you may lose your best player, but there is an opportunity to create more depth overall. 
you may lose the top guy, but you can get that four-star lineman, that five-star running back who didn't consider you coming out of high school, and now they will. So the, the coaches and the programs that understand there's going to be give and take with that, you're going to lose some guys, but you can also get some guys, those are ones that are going to thrive. And that's not all of them. I mean, Appalachian State is not a transfer-heavy program. The quarterback, Chase Bryce, former Clemson, former Duke quarterback, he is one. But they don't go, they don't go big on transfers. Marshall did... Other schools have, other schools don't. It depends kind of on where you are and what you have in place. So I want to get back because you back to the transfer part because you talked to a lot of coaches and I'm I'm curious because like if you're a Power Five school, you can it's easy to scout group of five guys. Now you got to consider the competition, but they're playing enough Power Five schools where you can easily scout them. These group of five teams that are losing might be losing some players up. How is there a concern about? scouting because the competition like if they're looking at a d2 kid or or an fcs kid is there is there concern about the ability to scout that lower level to see if they can come up and play has that come up at all yeah it's something that everybody's doing now you're seeing a lot of programs basically create positions that are director of transfers or basically just scouting departments that are looking elsewhere and yeah if you're at fcs level if you're a d2 maybe you're all moving up one spot some guys go power five like uh, jared verse did at at um at Florida State. And so, you know, it's it's been really interesting. You, you Some of these places have gone heavy on transfers because they take over a down program. There's no depth there. The upcoming changes to the, the lack of limits on a signing class is going to really help too because you're going to be able to add more guys to fill out those roster spots. So there is a lot of potential there. And, yeah, you're, even places – like at SMU, they've got a recruiting guy. They've got a scouting guy. They're like they're different now, and you're seeing a lot of programs – put resources into that kind of stuff you know the show is called stars matter not portal matters although i think that'd be a really good name for max olsen's show um <laughs> the, the question that i have to you chris is is that we've seen app state create a program that's kind of stood the test of time they've gone up a level in, in college football they just beat a&m a team that and i don't know if people listening to this know the stat but uh the esteemed sam Khan looked it up i think that a&M signed eight five-star prospects in last year's class and in App State signed only six um, top 1,000 players in the last four cycles to like give you kind of an idea of what the talent discrepancy is and you just said that that Appalachian State isn't a, a transfer heavy program so what is it about the you know in your time around covering the group of five you've been you know coast to coast watching and, and seeing these schools up close what is it in the secret sauce for these programs that put them in a position to not only get the upset, you know, here and there, but to be excellent all around at their level consistently if we can't track how they're recruiting out of the high school ranks? App State has been a consistent winning program for 30 years now. It goes back to Jerry Moore and even right before him, Mac Brown, who was only there, I think, for one season. And one. Yeah. You know, Jerry Moore had a lot of success. He's the one who coached him to the win over Michigan. They transfer to Scott Satterfield. He was promoted from within. He moves them up to FBS. They keep winning. He leaves. They hire Eli Drinkwitz. He spends one year there. He leaves. Sean Clark promoted. Sean Clark, the current coach, former offensive lineman at the school. And so they have a profile of the kind of player that they need and that fits in what they do. And I know it's like very cliche to say like we need our kind of guys. Everybody says that, but Appalachian State is such a unique program. Like it's literally up in the mountains. Like you have to drive up a mountain to get there. And so I asked Sean Clark about this for our state of the program in the summer, 
basically how do you guys recruit how you guys keep doing this thing he's like he, he said it's different up on the mountain you gotta have guys that understand like we're not near a big city boone is a very fun town but it's not like you know major nightlife you can't have a, a kid who's looking for that kinds of things you have to have kids who understand what exactly that is they're going to win and you're going to have a chance at the nfl they've had guys picked in four of the last five nfl drafts they've got seven guys current on nfl rosters plus a couple other guys on practice squads and in, in injured reserve so they have a formula and that includes big tough guys on the inside and a lot of speed undersized speed on the outside that's what they've gone through time and time again and it's a formula that keeps working you know it's funny because my whole thing has always been like recruiting is everything right like recruiting 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 and and i still believe that to a certain extent but i think it's important to reiterate that you know recruiting is the most important thing or the only thing that matters for a team that wants to win the national title but there is this whole other level of know who you are have a plan and execute that plan that exists in probably 75 percent of the colleges that compete in division one football right um and it's just like i don't know if you're an app state fan or somebody who is a group of five fan maybe cincinnati who's going to the big 12 is is kind of the exception to this rule if paying attention to the recruiting rankings is the best thing for you because these programs that are successful seem to all have a recipe that they kind of adhere to and that recipe doesn't doesn't equate to or doesn't use rankings or you know you don't not that big time programs use rankings in their evaluations but i mean that it doesn't equate into what you see on 247 um and in the world of the expanded playoff and the fact that these teams are probably going to be getting more shots now than they ever have in the past to be playing the a&ms and the alabamas of the world from a talent perspective like how do you root for your group of five team in the right context in the off season like when a Clemson fan is paying attention to a recruiting battle. You basically have to know it comes down to if you trust the coaching staff or not and their ability to evaluate and if they have a track record with that. And also if you offer a guy and then a power five school comes calling and how that plays out. Cause Boise state for a number of years built itself on finding quarterbacks before anybody else did. And other schools eventually picked up on that. And then when Boise would be the first to offer a guy, all these other schools would be like, all right, we got to check out this guy. Boise State, they know someone with quarterbacks. And so there's there's kind of the drama of sometimes trying to keep hold on to guys uh, in, in those situations. But in, in terms of the offseason, it's a lot of, hey, is this guy developing? He's going to be a senior. He's going to be a junior. You know, focusing a bit more on that. Depends where you are. I mean, Billy Napier came into Louisiana and signed the top-rated Sunbelt class every single year. And he's in Louisiana. Like there's a lot of good players there. Appalachian state is located in Western North Carolina up in the mountains. There's not a lot of players nearby. So it's kind of the expectation game as well. Yeah. I want to go um, piggyback off that because we had a uh, request from a listener, Ben, about a new, uh, a new segment on the show because we were talking about CJ Donaldson a couple weeks ago, the, the West Virginia running back who Ari's going to work on a story, how he basically came from, came out of nowhere. He was like a low three-star tight end who shows up at power five school. And then week one, he's rushing for, you know, 140 yards or whatever it was. So we're going to try and pick out a guy an under the radar guy every week um, who, who does well and kind of talk about his recruitment. And I picked this week was Cameron people, the running back at app state fifth year junior from Alabama Clay Central High School, which I, I I know that they produce some players, but I mean, what rushed for 1,100 1, yards last year, 926 yards the year before that. 
His App State bio says he was a three-star in 247, but his 247 page says he was a two-star. He had no composite ranking, was the two hundred number 229 running back in the nation in number 148 in Alabama. Uh, his profile shows an offer from Illinois as well as Georgia State, UMass, and Troy. So it's kind of what Chris is getting at. It's just finding guys and evaluating. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily undersized. He's 225 yeah. now. I don't know what he was when he came in, but they've had uh, – I can't remember the guy's name, but the Titans drafted him a couple years ago when he – got released uh but they they've always seemed to have two or three running backs and it's just finding the right guy and before chris answers i want to jump in too that i think it's it's a really interesting uh dynamic to look at this mitch and i'm happy you brought up peoples because i watched him play and anybody who watched him plays knows that kid can play right yeah he was six foot two 185 pounds in high school and from the pictures that i'm looking at at his at his uh you know, in his profile, it looks like he was very well built. So, like when you look at like what he is now, he's obviously much bigger, and the guy's got biceps like you could find in a Bowflex commercial. But like, it's just it wasn't like he was very undersized in high school, and it just goes to show you how tough evaluations are because like the idea is App State wants to recruit UCF did this too for a while. They want to recruit very fast athletic players that might not be big enough to play in the power five and then develop these guys into to really good players. But this guy wasn't undersized. He was just under evaluated. And it just goes to show you that a, it's difficult to do it. And B, if you have the right staff that has a profile that they can fit somebody into that they could take somebody that nobody else wants, which is what happened with CJ Donaldson at West Virginia. And I can't wait to write that story. Cause when you guys hear how they, he was missed. It's hilarious. They, they thought he was a tight end. So they were looking at him. This guy can't play tight end, and now he's rushing 18 yards a carry in a West Virginia pit game, nationally televised. So, like, it just gives you a better appreciation, I think, of how intense it is to be a uh, proficient evaluator at a, at the Group of Five level. I, I mean, this is obviously more of an exception, but I mean, Josh Allen was begging Fresno State to offer him, you know, up there in Central California, and. Nobody would, so he ends up going to Wyoming. And he didn't even have that great of a career at Wyoming, but clearly the NFL finally saw something in him. Isn't that something? Like, why does <laughs> that happen? Me, of, of, all, of all the guys who've fallen through the cracks that we love to talk about, he is the, the best example. I mean, he literally he, he wanted them to take him. I don't think they wanted him as a walk-on. But I'm not even talking state. about high school recruiting guys. I'm talking about, like, guys who were kind of good in college but not great. Who t- like, he well, is yeah. literally. He, he, he is an exception. I didn't well, think he was yeah. But how does that even happen? Like, a lot of it's supporting cast, too. I remember the Iowa game, you know, the offensive line yeah, couldn't like, block, and he was running around. Like, I'll be watching NFL games because I'm a degenerate gambler, and I like the NFL, and the, <laughs> some Ohio State guy will make a play, and I'll be like, that guy barely played at Ohio State. Now he's yeah. a starter in the league? Like, yeah. how did that happen? You see that with running backs a lot, a lot actually, in the NFL. Backs. Random, random, like Damian Pierce at, at, at uh, the, the Texans. He, like, didn't start at Florida. And yeah. Just, so, I hear, here's – by the way, back to App State real quick. Peoples in the 2020 season – Broke the FBS bowl record for rushing yards against North Texas. I think he had more than 300 yards. And he's not even, like, the number one feature back on this team. They've also got Nate Noel, who rushed for 1,000 yards last year. They've got a – they have, like, six running backs on this team that could start anywhere in the conference. It's ridiculous. And and this this is a guy who I think you might hear about in a few years, who I found in the offseason when I was doing uh, App State State of the Program. They signed a kid named – Kanye Roberts. Kanye? Kanye Roberts, yep. His senior year of high school, 
He rushed for 3,500 yards and 64 touchdowns. Is that good? In North Carolina. And I asked him about it. I said, how, like, how did you get him? How does this work? He's like, he committed to us early on, and then just that was it. He didn't care about anything else. He didn't want to go anywhere else. He was just like, cool. And, and so I don't know if he's going to work out or not, but I, I found those high school numbers. It, Power 5 programs did come in, come in on him late in the process, but he just shut it down all immediately. But – Speaking Which of is really crazy guys, in and of yeah. itself, too. You know, I don't mean, like thirty five hundred yeah. yards in like a that in like a absurd. ten games. He's sixty four touchdowns. It's like ridiculous. I don't even know how you have the. Ari must have been game. playing safety for the other team. A bunch of Ari's. Yeah, out yeah. Um, a quick story tease. Uh, this will be coming out Thursday. It'll be published. Uh, Grace Rayner is working on a story where she's contacting a bunch of App State recruits or commits to talk to them about. <clears throat> excuse me. How great it is right now to be an App State commit. Like one kid says, he walked into school and. And, and all his buddies were like, hey, you know, you're committed there when they, they, were, they were teasing him after the North Carolina game or saying they were going to get killed at Texas A&M. So that should be a, a fun story. Been, actually, um, one, and one thing on that, yeah. they don't remember the App State-Michigan game, but we remember, remember how much oh. faster Appalachian State was than Michigan in that game? Like, that's how, like, it goes back even farther than that, that they've always been able to find speed, Dexter Jackson, Armani Edwards, a lot of these guys, like they've always been able to have, they've always been able to find that speed. I mean, when I went now, to now, Nashville, any, Mitch, on, Mitch, when I went to Nashville yeah. and I sat in with Eddie George, that was his whole plan at Tennessee State. Go find guys that have elite measurables that are very fast and just hope that you can develop them. Yeah, I'm thinking, thinking this through out loud, so let me know if it makes sense. It probably it seems won't. Like App, yeah, probably won't. Like App State, over the course of a season, playing North Carolina, a&M, they're going to wear down a little bit, but in a one-game, one-off against Texas A&M or North, they might look faster at certain positions, but they're not necessarily built to play a Power 5 schedule. There's, there's probably some of that, too, with their undersized quick Well, guys. I was going to ask Krista, so I'm happy you said that, Mitch. Like, if App State so played in the ACC, sense, like, what would their record be? This is kind of the conversation we always have, and it'll be interesting when Cincinnati and BYU and Houston and UCF move into the Big 12. You know, it took Utah a minute to get adjusted to the Big 12. It took TCU a minute to get adjusted. So, how would they do in the ACC? I mean, I don't think the ACC is all that good. but That's why I used it. But week in and week out, yeah, you're going to wear down. You don't have the But do you think this team could finish fourth in the ACC? Yeah, I I think so. I I, I mean, like, it's a... it's a still a, it's the impressive a thing is they're two games. How they yeah the, how they lost by two scoring fifty games. points yes, exactly. and how they won that 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 bodes w- yes. would bode and, well. And to that's me. what I mean. Sean Clark told me he's like we're, we 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 got twenty two I think explosive plays against North Carolina. Like I knew we weren't going to do that against Texas A and M. They got four, but we had to take care of the ball. We had to we had to be able to run the ball, pick up third downs, and we had to convert opportunities. They held the ball for forty two minutes. They ran 80 plays and held AM to 38 plays, and they got two takeaways and turned them into two touchdowns. And that was the game right there. And if not for a kick return touchdown for AM, it may not have even been that close. So, like, they just they had the game plan and they were able to execute it with the talent that they had. I think there's a there, there definitely is a theme, and you wrote about it, Chris, in your story today. The three teams that won are all in markets that love college football. They're the only game in town. I think that helps with these with these G five teams. It's it's you know Georgia State might knock off some people. I'm sure they have some talent, but getting kids at that level to go to school like Georgia Southern to Marshall to App State where they draw big big crowds and they love their football that is a huge advantage that most G fives don't have. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I wrote about this in the preseason, but like the Sun Belt, in many ways, won conference realignment because of the four schools it added. Marshall was one of them. Old Dominion was one of them. They both have Power 5 wins already. But those are places with, generally, a history of winning and success there. Randy Moss went to Marshall. I wrote a story about Randy Moss at Marshall last year. Like, everybody still knows that. They still see the clips of that. Marshall has always been able to find talent through the JUCO routes and through these other things. I mean, Randy Moss, another former Florida State player, guy who was, you know, was going to go to Notre Dame at one point, got in trouble, ends up at Marshall, and ends up having a, a big career. Like, that's, that's long been part of the Marshall strategy. And, yeah, there's only two major teams in all of West Virginia, West Virginia football and Marshall football. So, like, it matters when people come out to your games. And, like, a bunch of schools in the Sun Belt this year set season ticket records because uh, they're, they're playing rivalry games, and, and it's really important to these places. I've got one more for you, Chris, and then Ari. I've got one more, too. Where is Charles Huff coaching in three years? Ooh. Alabama. <laughs> you know, I, I can't see him going from Marshall to Alabama. That's pretty I can. tough. But, but he's a former Alabama assistant. He's a former Penn State assistant, a former Vanderbilt assistant, who was one of the top recruiters in the country when he was at those schools. But it took him, like, nine interviews to get a head coaching job. And, and, and you know, it, he, he hadn't been a coordinator uh, at other places, and that sometimes holds guys back. There obviously aren't a lot of black head coaches out there either. But if he has Marshall on the trajectory where he is, he'll be – you could easily see him be like an SEC or Big Ten coach in a, in a few years. Chris, how far will a – what's the furthest a group of five team will advance in the expanded playoff in the first ten years of its existence? So we got – so how many rounds are there? There's one. You got the two, round of eight, and then it goes to eight. They'll have to win three. They'll four, have to win three games, four, assuming they don't get a so bye. If they win three games to get to the to the final four. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they're they're not. They're, I very. I do not think there could be a group of five teams that gets one of those buys uh, necessarily. Those top four buys. So you're talking four games total to win the national championship. Four rounds total. Yes, I, I think there'll be, I think there'll be more than one year where that top group of five team wins the first game, probably almost certainly on the road, probably. Um, and I think maybe one or two, I could see maybe one advancing to that final four, but not any farther than that. I don't think they're going to get. I don't think they're going to get into the national championship game. I don't think they're going to get to the championship. Ari, Cincinnati just made the final four. Ari disagrees with you strongly. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he ate some bad food. You get matched up with some lowly Pac-12 or ACC team. Cincinnati's path to the Final Four was infinitely easier than the path to the Final Four when you're in the playoff, I think. Um, because you're going to have to play Alabama no, eventually. Since, no, you, you may miss them on – you said in 10 years. I think one or two teams could get to the round of four. Yeah. I, so let, they, let, you let's, don't have let's to play. map out There's a There's only one Alabama. There's only one Georgia. Like, you could miss them in a given year and not have to – Okay, so could, could could an App State round one be to my, go to Miami and win that game? Yes, and yeah, they, nearly round did, they two, nearly did last year. Yeah, they, they could, absolutely. Round, absolutely. There's no question round about two, that. Round two, they go yeah. to Arkansas. Yeah. You know, so it's it's it it could and happen. Basically, already. can can they beat a team that gets a top four bye? And I think it's very unlikely, but I think it's possible one of those could happen one year. I do. Here's the one thing I will say too, and it's not about a recruiting thing. But you will know that a lot of these group of five upsets that happen during the regular season happen when the other team is like sleepwalking or has their heads up their ass. 
That's never going to happen in the playoff. They're going to get the best They're going to get the, the best shot from their opponent in the playoff, which I think is what is going to make it difficult. So, but you could also find a team that has a bad has an injury to their quarterback in the conference championship game or something like that. Like, you know, yeah. the, the, a team could be beaten down, deal with some injuries late in the year, just you know, slides into the playoff. Again, you know what would be a good story for you? You know what would be a really good story for you? Yeah. You should do it. You should go back the last 7 years of the playoff. And like do the t- the the twelve and make fake brackets and see how many times a group of five team in your hypothetical would have done it. I think that be- 2017 UCF team could have done it. They had like ten NFL yeah. players on that team. Plus McKenzie. Yeah, Miller. yeah, yeah. You're pro- maybe you're right. Like, again, I'm not saying they're going to have any chance at winning the national championship. I'm just saying uh, up, uh, one you string together. But one do you see? That could happen. Do you see a world where when that happens, or if that happens, I think is a better word that recruiting ranking or that, that they will start recruiting players that are in the rankings more. Cause like I just pulled up app States class. Cause you said grace was working on a story about that. And I was anticipating yep. that there would be only like four players in it because they, some of the players that commit to these schools don't even have profiles. Like if app state goes to the final four one year or advances two games into the playoff, do you think that there will be a, monumental difference in the way that they're recruiting and the caliber of athlete that they can attract? Or do you think that this is going to have to be their plan permanently? Uh, not likely. I mean, Cincinnati has been able to recruit like a power five school. You know, Houston got up into the thirties one time when they got at Oliver, but even still all those teams that make the new year six as it stands now are, are only getting into the sixties or seventies app states typically in the nineties. Uh, yeah, but do you think App State will be in the 60s and 50s? I think I think they can move up to that range, a program like Maybe. that. Maybe. I, I just I think that that's a program that it, it it is where it is, but it also has a ceiling, which is one reason I think it was a smart move not to join the American, for example, because when you'll be regularly competing with schools that have budgets that are $20 million bigger and stuff like that, you, we saw East Carolina made that move from Conference USA to the American. They were one of the best teams in Conference USA. Now they've just been kind of fledgling there. I think staying in the Sun Belt made sense for that specific to App State. That's why it kind of depends on the school. They're not all the same, you know, like where the SEC, you might say, the ceiling for everybody could be incredibly high. It's different at different places. If a, if a, if, if a group of five team makes a run to the Final Four, in, in, do I expect it to make a monumental difference in their rankings? Not 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 off of one year. Boise State did it a few years in a row, and they started to get into the fifties, maybe the forties, in terms of their recruiting rankings. But but it's gonna it's gonna take more than one year. All right, Ari, we got to move on. But do you feel dirty, Ari, talking so much group of five? <laughs> no, I thought it was actually a really interesting conversation. And like, I mean, I'm a stars okay. guy, but I love college football, and I think it's fascinating watching these because, like, the thing I will say, Mitch is. If you watch the App State game or you watch the Marshall game, they didn't just like upset them on some bullshit. Like they kicked their ass. <laughs> like yeah, in yeah. both in Nothing both of the, both of those Nothing scenarios and in, in the Georgia Southern game, I just Ge- saw the score. But Georgia, like, I, Southern, Georgia Southern was a triple option team last year, and they threw for four hundred and nine yards on Nebraska. Six hundred forty two yards, the most ever allowed by Nebraska. Four oh nine. Nebraska is a dumpster fire. We know that, but they're still top twenty five in team talent rankings. It's 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 pretty yep. crazy. Yeah, I think that the perfect cocktail of that is functional team that knows who it, what it is with a great coach and has a plan to win versus a team that is super talented but is kind of going in nine different directions. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You should have read Chris's story. You should have read my mailbag, uh, which he copied on his story. 
<laughs> All right, Chris. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. I hope your first experience in Stars Matter was a pleasant one. Uh, Ari was relatively cordial, but you know. Hey, hey, hey! You know, we're, I'm a but, stars... we're on the same page here with this. Battle. Yeah, he's coming over to my house. He's coming to my house on Saturday to break bread. <laughs> um, yeah. I right. don't want people to think that like the only thing I care about ever is like five star recruits. Know. Like you, and you keep perpetuating it, and then I get bad comments on my stories, and it's your fault. Oh, it's my fault. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Okay. Chris, thanks a lot, bud. Thanks, Chris. It. See you Saturday. See you, guys. See you guys. All right. Thanks to Chris for joining us. Good stuff. He is, uh, as we've said many times, uh, really knows his stuff in the group of five. Yeah, so no we, team's going to the final four. I got news for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, be nice. All right. A uh, couple mailbag questions. Robbie C. wants to know, and I'm using this as a tease for something that I'm going to make you and Grace do. I think it's a story you both are excited about, but it's going to take a while. What does recruiting look like for service academies? For example, other than the obvious, what are some unique trials and hurdles they face when trying to bring kids on? How are they building a target list? How would they approach? How would you approach it as your lead recruiter? So that's something I've always been fascinated with. Um, I've got it on Smartsheets for you and you and Grace Rayner to to dive into that maybe for next summer. Just a really comprehensive story about recruiting to the military academies. Are you, do you accept that assignment, Ari? I, mean, I accept that assignment because I don't know the answer to that question right now, and I'm excited to find out. Good, um, good. Come, come play for Army. Uh, we'll develop you for the league, and if you get good enough, you might be in deployed. Like, I, I don't know. Like, is that how it works? Because you have a commitment to the military after, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Now, there's been some softening of the, the rules, I believe. I don't want to misspeak here about, you know, deferring your uh, – you know, your, your military commitment if you can go to the NFL. So, but I look forward to reading all about it in your story next summer. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it eventually. Yeah. I don't Charles, like to move too fast on your ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Charles W. wants to know what's the best, what's the best text scenario, scenario, scenario for Georgia to steal Arch Manning away from the horns? Do the beatings the quarterback took Saturday help their chance? I brought this up just so we can laugh at it or not laugh at it. Just, yeah, I, uh, I think Arch Manning knew what he was committing to. Yeah, but, we, but there's, in the comments, I don't know if you saw the comments to this comment in your mailbag, someone's like, Arch knows he's not going to get developed at Georgia. Then someone came back like, what are you watching at Texas the last 10 years? So Yeah, it is funny. Uh, I think yeah. Texas only has one offensive first-rounder since like 2005 or something. Yeah, that's that's as staggering as that, uh, that USC I think it's stat. more staggering than the other stat yeah. that we said. Yeah, it's staggering stat day on – Staggering stats. On Stars day. Matter. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to get to the trivia question. Then I can't wait to hear <laughs> yeah, staggering you'll be, you'll be staggering like you've had 10 yeah. years. I'll be staggering <laughs> over, yeah. <laughs> um, this is from John H. Not, I don't believe it's our producer, John H. Um, when do schools have to be at the 85-player scholarship limit? In other words, if a school is looking to sign more than 25 players in their class, do they have to have the room for them on signing day, or is it based on when they enroll? I'm 98% sure it is basically when the semester starts at your school. Yes, and I think that the COVID uh, situation has made it a little bit trickier because they had so many extra players on their rosters. But I think I'm 98% sure that it's just as long as once the, the semester starts, you have to be at that number. Yes, yes. Okay. You ready for a little um, little trivia? I am. Group of five themed in celebration of Sunbelt Saturday. How many top 1,000 players did the 14 current Sunbelt teams, there's 14 teams in the league now, there's been a lot of realignment, okay. sign in the 2022 cycle? 
How many 14 top teams, top 1,000? Yes, combined. And I'll go over the teams. Just so you, I mean, you know the teams. Well, you yeah, should. Yeah, but go over the teams. Georgia Southern, Marshall, Arkansas State, Coastal Carolina, Southern Miss, App State, Georgia State, South Alabama, Louisiana, Troy, Texas State, UL Monroe, and James Madison. 20. You didn't embarrass yourself. Okay. 14. Georgia Southern had one. Marshall had two. Arkansas State had five. Hey, Butch Jones. There you go. Coastal Carolina had three. South Alabama had one. Yeah, that's crazy because I was like giving everybody one. Yeah, that's not a bad guesstimate there. Uh, uh, but yeah, I didn't embarrass myself. That's a good stat. Good job, Mitch. Proud of yeah, you. Yeah, looked it up. So um, That was a really good show, I thought. Yeah, I, I had a really fun time that today. Uh, yeah, we uh, deviated a little bit. You know? Yeah, we had Chris on, um, and if you like uh, Chris's appearance here, he also did an awesome story about the NCAA football game that ran on the Athletic on Wednesday, and I don't know about you, but a lot of people um, grew up playing that game. I, I certainly did, and I'm excited to have it back, and I think he talked about it on the Power Hour uh, on this feed with Nicole. Yeah, I think I'm, you should go. I'm jealous of you guys, so to speak, because I – I think I'm just a little old for that sweet spot of that game. Now, there's plenty of people my age that played it, but I was a huge Tecmo Bowl fan, whatever. And then, like, you know, got married, had kids. Like, right when the – in the was it in the late 90s, early 2000s, the heyday of that game? Yeah, I mean, That's the like heyday of that game, I think, was and, and, once Xbox and PS2 came out. Yeah, because, so I just missed it, and I wasn't playing yeah. video games at that point. I, I know I would just – I'm probably I mean, glad was, I didn't. It would have been I, I mean, was, I think, honestly, without exaggeration, one of the reasons why I do what I do for a living – so like without that, that game I might not know you. Fall, like that game made me fall in love with college football, and I, I know that sounds kind of crazy because you think you would love football, college football first, but you know we used to download the rosters and you would learn how to the rules of the game, and you know you would learn about all the good players and the stars would be underneath the good players, so you'd watch. I mean, I remember watching Oklahoma State. Like, did stars matter? The West, the West Virginia, the West Virginia team. Um, with Steve Slayton and, Pat and, White. and those guys oh and my Pat God, White, that God, that was such a fun game to play. I mean, it's just like he 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 did a really good story on it. It brought back a lot of memories. Yeah, I, I got to read it. I've and I, I told my wife today. that it comes out next July, and I'm going to take vacation days when it comes out, and I'll be I will be t- I will to be left alone. So rather than spend time with your family, you will be playing the video. That's game. right. That's okay. right. Yes, she she uh, will not be surprised. She knows she knows what she got into. Yeah, yeah, she does. And she's trapped now because we have a child. So what she got? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, Ari. All right, you want to do? You want to take us home? Yes. uh, Thank you guys so much for listening to what I think was a jam-packed episode of Stars Matter. Really eventful week uh, last weekend. Excited for the games this weekend, but to hold you over during the week, stick with the Andy Staples Show feed to get your fix after and during the games. Stick with the Andy Staples Show feed (laughs) and friends and. If you ever want to think about college football, stick with the Andy Staples Show and Friends feed. Uh, thank you, you should, so much you for listening. You should go into marketing, by the way. That was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, use the code Ari Wasserman to, <laughs> to what? continue to listen to our to our shows. And no, Thanks again, really. It means a lot to us that you listen, and, and we love doing it for you guys. So that was the latest edition of Stars Matter. We'll catch you guys next week.